It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can email the show lothunderpod at gmail.com. But this is going to be an exciting show. We're now sitting here on Thursday morning, hours away from the NBA owners voting to allow the NBA season to resume on July 31st. Adrian Wojnarowski gave us the plan in full on Wednesday evening, just as I predicted. I said earlier this week, hey, the vote's not until Thursday afternoon. We're going to have we're gonna have basically every detail by Wednesday evening, and we do. So we're going to record this show. It's going to be awesome. Basketball is finally back in our lives right now. So last week, we talked all about this Disney World plan. We talked about the speculation aspect and what was confirmed at the time. We even talked to Keith Smith. You can go back and listen to that show because Keith Smith was the guy who broke the news about the Disney World plan. This week, we've gotten even more news, and now we can finally talk about concrete, factual things that are going to happen in the NBA. It's good to have basketball back. So let's start with just the plan. The overall plan, it'll be the 16 playoff teams New Orleans, Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, Phoenix, and Washington. Those are who's coming to to Disney World. And then, from there, once everyone's down there, they're going to play eight regular season games. After that, they'll do a play-in tournament if the nine seed in each conference is within four games of the eight seed. So it sounds by that logic that we will have an Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. It wouldn't make a lot of sense for Portland to play Memphis if by the eight-game mark Memphis is two games up on Brooklyn. I mean, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if they're five games up on Orlando. I mean, why wouldn't Portland at that point play Brooklyn or Orlando? So the fact that the ninth seed has to be be four games uh, from the eighth seed confirms to me 
that we will see two separate playoffs, the Eastern and the, and the Western playoffs. Because if you remember, there was talk of just doing one through 16. I think given the, the wording of this play-in tournament, I think given that, it, it sounds like that's off the table. We're going to go one through eight each side. So that's what we know so far. The NBA is also looking at a way to reward higher-seeded teams. So you're one through four in the first round. You're looking to reward those teams that would have had home court advantage that now, of course, get to play in Disney World in front of no fans. And we'll talk all about the different ways they can do that later on in the program. The NBA is also still up in the air on roster spots, how many roster spots will go to each team, and what are they going to do at two-way deals. Again, it's a huge deal for Oklahoma City, so we're going to continue to talk about that uh, at the end of the program. They've set the dates, if you didn't hear. July 31st, we'll start this thing. October 12th is the drop-dead date. October 12th is the last day to have Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And so the NBA Finals Game 7 will be on October 12th. And the, the draft, you can expect that as normal, I'd say, five days after October 12th. They might move it up a little bit, uh, but you can really be comfortable saying it'll be five days after October 12th. The vote is expected to pass today at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. And again, we'll detail this entire plan because we're going to get the answers to these questions I have coming up. We're going to get those answers today, I bet, or, or throughout the weekend. We're going to dive back into this plan on Monday because tomorrow – our conversation, part two, with John Hamm comes out. And he was great. He finishes the part two of the golden era of the Book of Thunder basketball right here. Also, you can go back and listen to part one. You can also listen to Andrew Schleck uh, uh, describe Thunder U. So that's what the plan is right now for this show and the NBA. But basketball is back. It's coming back. And let's dive into what it's going to look like whenever it does return. So the biggest question being thrown out there regarding the return to the NBA is the schedule. How are we going to fit eight regular season games and the postseason within that July 31st to October 12th window? And that's been something that we've spe uh, speculated on on this podcast for a long time is the strength of schedule. Because when you eliminate those bottom half of the half of the league, when you eliminate those bottom feeder teams, your strength of schedule by nature is going to go up. The question is, how hard is that schedule going to be? Obviously, someone's going to have to have a hard schedule, and someone's going to be have a schedule that you look at and say is a lot easier than another team. But how are they going to try their best to balance this if you're the NBA? So sources are telling Yahoo's Vincent Goodwell that the league will just pick up the schedule where it left off. So, for example, the Oklahoma City would just pick up with Utah. And if you are playing a team on the schedule that's not in Disney World, you just skip that game and move on to a team that is in Disney World. So you go on down the list until you get to your eight games. In this case, if this actually happens, Oklahoma City plays Utah, Washington, Memphis, Denver, Miami, Denver, Phoenix, Los Angeles Clippers. That would be your eight games. Mathematically, does that work for every single team where you're, you're all going to fit into each other's eight-game window? I don't think so. So I'm not sure how this is actually going to be the plan, but that's what the sources are telling Yahoo right now as of this morning. Again, the vote will come down at 11.30 a.m., and we should have more information on this by then. If not by Monday, you know, after, after the news slowly comes out throughout the weekend. Mathematically, it does not seem to be working to do it this way. Uh, but that's a possibility. It is going to be that Oklahoma City plays Utah, Washington, Memphis, uh, the Nuggets, the Heat, the Nuggets, the Suns, and the Clippers. So you get two matchups against the Nuggets, a tough matchup against the Clippers, uh, but the rest of them... You can feel pretty confident about. I mean, Miami's a good team, but I, I think that Utah is going to be terrible once once we return to play, losing Boyan and and all that's happened with their team this year. Conley not really fitting in there. I think that they're not going to be a good team whenever we return. Washington, 
They're not a good team. Memphis is a fun team, and they and they could beat the Thunder, of course. Uh, but that game will be interesting because my, because Memphis is really going to fight hard once we return, trying to get out of that eight seed if they can. But you know, this isn't the worst schedule. This isn't the worst schedule to have if you're Oklahoma City. I don't know how many games they win or lose. I'm not really going to do win loss radio in general because I think that that uh, doesn't make for good radio. But once we get a concrete schedule, I probably will do it because it's only eight games. Uh, but I'm not going to do it right now with a plan that I don't believe will actually happen. I don't think that the Thunder will have to play Utah, Washington, Memphis, Denver, the Miami Heat, Denver, Phoenix, and the Clippers. I don't think that mathematically that works. I think that I think that by the time you get to your eighth game, the Clippers will have already played eight games. So what I think is going to happen, here's my prediction. Again, this is just a prediction, is that the NBA will just create an entirely new schedule for everybody. And they and to make it fair, they might try to tier teams off. So, for example, the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, Raptors are all in a tier. That's tier one. And each team has to play X amount of games from each tier. So you're going to get a couple tier one games, a couple tier two games, and on and so on and so forth. That's my prediction. However, Brian Windhorst of ESPN says that he's heard from within the NBA to expect a new schedule and to expect the NBA to create, quote, made-for-TV matchups. Made for TV matchups is interesting to me. Now, we all love the Thunder. We're going to watch every single Thunder game. But how many made for TV matchups can you create for the Thunder with these 22 teams here? Russ would be one. That'd be a made for TV matchup. Does it, does it still hold its luster, though, when you consider you'll be watching it in an empty gym in Disney World for the, for the national audience? Again, if we're making TV matchups, we're making it for the national audience. Zion and LeBron, that captures somebody no matter where it's played or when it's played or who's there and who's not there. Ja versus Zion, that captures somebody. Again, no matter who, who's, who's there, where it's at, and all the other factors. What I'm getting at here is you could see the Thunder, if we're just you know, going left and right for TV matchups. You could see the Thunder walk away with an easy schedule. You could also see them playing Denver twice, like the, like the eight games suggest. You could see them playing uh, some of these good teams that, again, aren't as appealing to the TV ratings. So it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds. Strength of schedule has been something that I've talked about on this show for a month, it seems like. Uh, but it will be interesting. Again, my, my idea is that the NBA just creates an entirely new schedule and then they try to balance it the best they can with maybe marking off teams into tier lists. The bottom line is, it might not be the Thunder, but someone is going to have a hard schedule. Someone is going to feel like they've been robbed. Someone is going to get their schedule tomorrow or, or today or whatever day that the schedule is released. Someone's going to pick their schedule up, compare it to what they had left if they had like five or six games against bottom teams in the, in the NBA, and they're going to feel outraged. They're going to feel like the NBA just just messed them over so bad. And especially if the Lakers get a good 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 schedule. If the Lakers are playing bad bubble teams, then then NBA Twitter is going to be set on fire. Because they're going to say the NBA's rigged, they're doing everything for LeBron, and the Raptors got all these just hard opponents. Can you believe this? The Thunder have to play, you know, you know. The Milwaukee twice, and, and the Lakers are having to play Portland three times. I mean, it, it's just going to happen if the Lakers get, a, get an easy draw. But the bottom line is someone or multiple teams will have a hard schedule, and it will look 
incredibly hard compared to what they could have been playing. But the bottom line is, like I said, when you're only taking the top 22 teams, yeah, you can play Sacramento, you can play San Antonio, who are terrible. You can play uh, Washington, who's not very good. But at the, at the end of the day, you're going to have to play Philadelphia. You're going to have to play Boston. You're going to have to play Toronto. You're going to have to play Denver. You're going to have to play L.A., Milwaukee. You're going to have to play these teams. That's, that's all that's there. So someone's going to have a very, very tough schedule. After the break, we'll talk more about the schedule and also how the NBA plans to reward high seeds. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So the NBA, again, is planning to have this happen on July 31st through October 12th, and I feel very confident that this is going to happen. I know that there was reports today, or Wednesday, I should say, that COVID saw a huge spike in Florida. And a lot of people are wondering, hey, does this impact the NBA at all? Does this impact the plan at all? Florida is huge. It's a huge place. And from what I'm hearing, I know that Nick Hankston, who hosts Locked On Mavericks, and he lives there, uh, tweeted out today that, yeah, you know, that this is bad for Florida, but uh, that the area that's seeing the spikes is in a different part, an entirely different part of the state than Orlando, than Disney World is. So he's saying that, you know, hey, this is this is bad for the state, but for the NBA, you can still go to Disney World. You can still be controlled. And even though Disney World is planning to reopen some of the park, the, the park and the atmosphere there is so big that you'll still isolate players within the portion that has the sports complex. So I wouldn't be too deterred by the fact that there are reports that COVID-19 is spiking in Florida. If it continues to trend and, and continues to, to uh, follow down the pathway to Disney World, then we can start having a more legitimate conversation that, hey, this could be bad for the NBA. And there's still a lot of time left. While I am very optimistic and I'm very positive and I'm almost, I'm almost affirmative that we're going to get basketball, there's still a lot of time. Two months is a long time, especially with how we have, how we have seen uh, this virus be unpredictable. But I still feel confident right now that we will see basketball. But the interesting part about the July to October 12th time period here is what we talked a little bit about earlier this week, and that is going up against the NFL. So I mentioned that the NFL starts in September coming right out the gate with some huge primetime games. You've got Mahomes and Watson playing on September 10th, which should be given by this map here of, of October 12th being the game seven. It should be in the, in the conference finals. Two weeks after that, you've got Mahomes taking on Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football. Which, again, is a date that the NBA likes to play on typically, is Monday night on, in the postseason. October 12th is a Monday night. So Game 7 would be on a Monday night going up against Monday Night Football. And that game is going to be between uh, the Saints and the Chargers. So you could have a, a doubleheader 
of Game 7 of the NBA Finals in Disney World and Saints Chargers. Do I expect Game 7 to still win out in the ratings battle of, of Saints Chargers? Yes. Would I still be that optimistic if it was Chiefs Ravens? No. And so I think it's interesting that the NBA is taking this route and taking this angle to take on the NFL. Um, especially again, having game seven on a Monday night on a Monday night where the NFL owns Monday nights, they own Thursday nights, they own Sunday nights. They own, they own the entire day Sunday, but they own Monday nights and Thursday nights. I thought maybe you could see the NBA strategically and purposely avoid the NFL. Taking it on head on is, is very interesting to me. It, it really is. So you look at this plan and I don't think that in August there were some, you know, football football media members and just football fans saying, oh, it's going to be hilarious whenever a preseason game outdoes the NBA. That's not happening. Even your most diehard football fans don't watch preseason. Give me a break. You're going to watch the NBA playoffs. But when we get into October and that mid, you know, September 10th start date, then, then you start questioning what's going to happen. Then it becomes a legitimate question. Will, will a second round or first round playoff game, playoff matchup, will that dethrone Mahomes and Watson? Will that dethrone Mahomes and, and Jackson? Two of the biggest games that will happen in the NFL season. I think that that's a legitimate talking point here. And it shows that the NBA is willing to take on the NFL. Again, putting their game seven of the NBA finals on the same night as Monday night football. It's going to be interesting to follow the ratings battle. And again, I talked about this yesterday. I'm a huge fan of the media itself and how the media works and, and ratings and uh, you know pundits and things like that and how media handles, handles situations and how sport leagues handle the media. This is going to be interesting to watch the ratings. And, I, and maybe I'm the only one on earth, on earth that finds this interesting, but I do want to know how that's going to break out between the NBA and the NFL. Uh, one other thing is about the eighth game, eight game aspect. I don't think anyone speculated eight games. I know that I always talked about five to six, and that's pretty much the only number I've seen anyone talk about is five to six. Eight games does make a difference. It gives you just a little bit more time to move up or down. And sometimes a little bit more time is all you need. The Thunder are not out of it in terms of the three seed. They're not out of catching Denver by by any means, especially if you get two head-to-head games against Denver. Go beat them, and and you're there. But they're also not out of sliding down to like sixth which would mean that they not only slide down and have a different matchup, but they retain their pick. So like everything else this season, I see these final eight games as house money for the Thunder. Would you want to move up to three? Sure, that'd be awesome to say the Thunder finished third. Would you want to slide down and keep your pick? Eh, That'd be pretty cool too. Again, people are down in this draft class because it doesn't have the highlight names outside of LaMelo Ball. But there's still a ton, and I mean a ton, of quality NBA players in this draft. You can check out Chad Ford's Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network for more information about the draft. He had a great episode with Ryan Rosillo earlier this week, mock drafting, I believe, the, the lottery. He did the entire lottery mock draft with Ryan Rosillo uh, of this year. So you need to go listen to that because this draft, I think, I think it's better than people expect. So having two first-round picks is always better than one. You get two chances to either hit on both, hopefully hit on at least one of them, or 
if it's the Josh Eustace draft, miss on both first round picks, Eustace and McGarry. So you never know, but you always like to have a, a better chance. So that's all about the schedule. That's all we know right now. And again, we'll know more by the time that you finish this podcast because they're going to vote at 1130 a.m. Woj is probably going to give us the entire schedule, the entire thing by noon. He's, I know he's going to hop on the jump at 2 if you want to watch that. But on Monday, we're going to break all of this down. But after the break, we're going to talk about some of the questions that remain and how the NBA could still reward higher seeds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So how could the NBA reward higher seeds? You work all year long. You work all season long. You're the top four seed. You should get home court. And now we're all playing at Disney World. It's a question that's been thrown out there since this season was suspended and since we had news that maybe it could come back. And it still is relevant to the Thunder. If they got to play that game, such as the Mavericks in Denver got to, got to square off that night that uh, the season was suspended, if they got to play that game between Utah, then we could be sitting right now with Oklahoma City in the four seed, and I think we would have been sitting here right now with Oklahoma City as the four seed. So for at least a round, these rules could apply to Oklahoma City. Depending on how these eight games shake out, these rules could apply to Oklahoma City. And nothing's official yet, but these are just things that have been thrown out there within the NBA to possibly figure out a way to reward those high seeds. Let's start with number one. You could see the NBA award players of the higher seed seven fouls. Now, that player should be designated for the seven fouls. You can only do it one time. So you could say to a great defender like Kawhi, hey, you've got seven fouls to play with this game. Just go out there, do whatever you have to do, be as physical as you can be, because you've got seven fouls instead of six. That's a huge deal. Again, especially for these defensive monsters like a Kawhi, like a Rudy Gobert, like a Paul George. Even Anthony Davis down low. Giannis. These these players who will be defending, especially at the basket, especially on contact, that's huge. Patrick Beverly. Are you telling me that, you, that you'd willing to give Patrick Beverly uh, seven fouls? He's already annoying with six of them. He's going to be pulling off so many antics with seven fouls, it's going to be unbelievable if the NBA goes this route. You can also see the NBA award, player, uh, award the team's automatic possession for the second, third, and fourth quarter. To start those quarters, uh, the, the higher seed gets the ball. So if they win the tip-off, they get to start every single quarter with the basketball. I don't really like that one a lot. I don't like that one at all. You could see them ship the hardwoods to Disney World. So ship the the floor from Oklahoma City to Orlando, put it in, and play on it. That does not seem safe to me to keep shuffling out. Now, I know nothing about changing out basketball floors, but that doesn't seem safe to me to keep changing the playing surface left and right. It also seems like a ton of time to keep doing that. I think you've got two arenas that, you, that you're going to hold games in. 
it seems like a ton of time to keep switching them out every single game. I know that they do it sometimes for hockey, but like, don't they have like a, don't they have like an 18 hour window to do that? Or like a 10 hour window to do that? Or I guess I've seen some videos where it's like the Celtics play and then the Bruins play in like five hours after the game. But nonetheless, that seems like a ton of, of time that it would take to do this, to, to switch out the hardwoods. So I think that this option's out. And then you've got to include more people to come in. You've got to include people to come in and, and be in this environment to switch out the floors. Because LeBron James can't switch out the floor. I can't switch out the floor. Billy Donovan can't switch out the floor. You're going to need professionals to do that, especially to make it safe. So I think that this one is just silly and it's out of there. The most hilarious one is that teams get to pick the hotels. You go 1 through 16 and these teams pick their hotels. Number one, if we want to take this legitimately, if we want to take this option and be serious about it, you can't do this. Because you don't know who 1 through 16 will be. Because I would assume you would not want to shuffle hotel rooms once you get to the complex. That's kind of the whole point of the bubble. You're going to want to stay in your environment. So you're not going to want to keep switching hotels. And number two, the fact that this is a big deal in NBA circles of like, well, what hotel are we going to get? It's Disney World. And they've already said that they're going to improve the hotels at Disney World for you. I don't think hotels should be the difference in a team winning or losing basketball games. And I get it. They're going to be there from July 31st to October 12th if you go to the finals and you go to Game 7. But it's Disney World. I think that you're going to be okay. The last one and the most realistic one to me is the higher seed earning a second coaching challenge. I don't like the seven fouls. That's really gimmicky. That's not really basketball. I don't like the automatic possessions. While it would probably be the least noticeable, because I'm sure most of you out there don't even know how the possessions work (laughs) quarter to quarter. Uh, I I still don't like that just as a basketball purist. The hardwood, again, that's impossible. I I really think that that's impossible. And then the hotel, I'm just not even going to, acknowledge that one. I don't think that that's a big deal either. Getting that second coach's challenge is awesome. And that would be a true advantage. That would be something you can do that also keeps integrity to the game. That would be, I think the best plan. Does it suck that that you lose out a bigger home court advantage than just that? Obviously, but it's, but we're going to have to make sacrifices here. The second coaching challenge would be awesome. I think that it would allow you to challenge a huge moment in the first quarter or the second quarter, and of course, again, at the end of the game. Because how many times during a game do you see, wow, they clearly got that call wrong, but it's the second quarter, you've got to hold on to your challenge in case this happens at like the five-minute mark in the fourth. You see that pretty often this year. So if Adam Silver is listening, which I'm sure that he is, shout out Adam Silver, just implement the second coach's challenge for the higher-seeded team. I think that that's the best way you can give them an advantage and still not mess with the game as much. Again, seven fouls would be crazy. Just give one of those Clippers, Beverly, Kawhi, George, give one of them seven fouls? Are you kidding me? Give Russell Westbrook seven fouls to get in your face and uh, you know try to jump the passing lane and to reach every time? Give Steven Adams seven fouls whenever people keep driving in on him, bumping bodies with him. I mean, that would be a huge deal. I don't like the seven fouls. Again, I think that it changes too much about the game. And so another question that's that's being thrown out there is about the rosters. 
And we can start with the injured players, most notably for Oklahoma City, Andre Robertson. Can he rejoin the Thunder? Sure, he could play. He did say, you know, on March like 15th, really early on in all of this, I'm not sure the exact date, uh, on the Colorado men's basketball page, some podcast that they do in Colorado for the men's basketball team, he did say that he was 100%, he was ready to go, he was about to play G League games before the year was suspended, but he said all that before. He, I mean, he said that at media days that he was a full go. Two days later, he wasn't a full go. Now, eight games is a lot more time to get ready than, than I thought that he would have, plus the training camp period. But I've talked about this before with Andre. Number one, I don't see him returning to that elite form. That's going to be very hard to match, and if he's not elite defensively, you can't play him. Number two, we've seen this song and dance with Andre since the injury. There's going to be some setback. Something's going to go wrong. And why, if you're Andre, why would you even rush back for this? For eight games in a playoff series. You're going to have to take the minimum next year. You're going to have to prove yourself through the course of the season. So why rush back and risk a setback whenever you've experienced so many already? I I just don't think that this would be smart for to have him come back. Uh, you know, I don't think that he, again, I don't think he'd make a huge difference. I don't think that he'll be elite defensively. I could be wrong. I know a lot of people are excited about the possibility. But I don't see how you cannot play since 2018 and come back and be an elite defender. And again, with Andre, you're not providing anything offensively. If you are not elite, then you can't play. Now, could his free throws improve in an empty gym with no with no pressure? Maybe. But, again, I just don't see it happening. I don't see him coming back. And if he did come back, I wouldn't I wouldn't change my opinion of the Thunder. I, that wouldn't make or break a, se- a series for me as if Andre's in the lineup or not. Another injury is this John Wall rejoining the Wizards. Again, I don't see this happening. John Wall says he's 110%. Ian Bagley says that the Wizards are not going to play him. But he also says that Western Conference, excuse me, Eastern Conference teams are preparing as if they will play the Wizards with John Wall. Eastern Conference teams are not are not counting and trusting the Wizards whenever they say he's not going to play. And Wall hasn't played since December of 2018. I would love to watch John Wall play to see what he has left, but he's coming back from one of the most devastating injuries in, that any NBA player can have. So if you're John Wall, why would you rush back and risk a Setback. Same with Kevin Durant and the Nets. I know that it's like a doomsday scenario for a lot of Eastern Conference teams, and it's been talked about on NBA Twitter. Well, what if KD comes back and him and Kyrie just steal the show in the postseason? I, I, again, these injuries, I don't see these guys rushing back. The biggest roster question for me is not if injured players can return. It's will they expand the rosters Will they allow two-way guys to be playoff eligible? And will they allow teams to sign players? And I don't mean go sign strangers or go sign free agents, I should say. I mean sign from within, like the Thunder and Lou Dort. The Thunder tried to manipulate the system. They knew this entire season that they were going to sign Lou Dort to that free roster spot. They knew it. And they tried to manipulate the system with a two-way deal, and it backfired. Now, could you predict it backfiring? No, you couldn't. So, This is not a misstep by the organization, but it is something that you have to worry about here. Do I expect the NBA to allow the Thunder to sign Lou Dort? Yes. 
But, you know, I hope that they do, and I expect them to do that. Uh, but the question for the two-way deals is right now, for those of you that don't know, if you're on a two-way deal like Lou Dort is, you are not eligible to compete in the postseason. You need to be converted to a full contract, which the Thunder will have no problem doing with Lou Dort, and I wish that they could have done it by now. But for other teams, will they allow their two-way guys to be eligible? That's a question being tossed out there right now. I expect that once this vote pass, once this vote passes, and once we return to training camp, and once we get started with basketball again, shortly thereafter, the Thunder will send a press release out, and it'll say that the Thunder have signed Lou Dort. That's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to get a press release that says Lou Dort has signed a full contract and this will all be over. Lou Dort will play in the postseason. He'll play in these eight games. I don't know why he's not signed yet because to my knowledge, the NBA has not frozen transactions the same way that the MLB has. But I don't know why he wasn't signed before this. Again, just trying to manipulate that 35-day system that the NBA put in place. So I wouldn't worry about this too much. The bigger question is, will the NBA just straight up allow all two-way players of all of every team to play in the postseason even without being converted to a long-term deal? So we should find all these questions out and know everything by Monday. So I cannot wait to hop back on this podcast on Monday and break it all down again. Uh, but it's good to have basketball back. The support for this show has been great for these last two, three weeks, even without basketball. So I cannot wait to see... What happens when basketball returns? It's going to be fun to watch this Thunder team. I mean, people forget how good they were. People forget that they have that ability to, to test even the highest you know, ranked teams in the NBA. Even the best teams in the NBA, the Thunder can go toe-to-toe with. I wouldn't predict them to win a series, but they can go toe-to-toe with them. The Lakers and the Clippers and, and teams like that. So this is going to be a fun eight-game stretch, and the postseason is going to be extremely fun. Can they get out of the first round for the first time since Kevin Durant left? That'll be a big storyline to follow in all of this. But this has been awesome. Follow me on Twitter if you want to get my first reaction to this morning's vote. You can follow me at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Also in the description, leave a review wherever you get this podcast. Subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you don't have Twitter, you can email me your thoughts, lothunderpod at gmail.com. Again, Monday, we'll break all this down. The entire vote from today, we'll break it all down Monday. Tomorrow, on Friday, you're going to get part two of my conversation with John Hamm. It comes out tomorrow. We finish talking about the golden era of Thunder basketball, talking about Billy Donovan, what the Thunder did for Oklahoma City, if this was the peak of the Thunder, if Kevin Durant's, you know, what happened with Kevin Durant, and if the Thunder could knock off the Cavs back then. So there's a lot to dive into on Friday's pile with John Hamm, and that one, that one was really fun to record, and I hope that you guys enjoyed as well. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day! Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? 
It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.